Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal stories of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today, I'm taking a little bit of a different approach with my guest. My guest, Susan Bingaman, is a food scientist who loves to cook, develop, and test recipes all from her own kitchen. Her favorite sport is lunch, which I knew instantly we would be lifelong friends. From time to time, I want to have conversations with guests who are not registered dietitians, but have a deep connection to food, nutrition, and wellness. Susan Bingaman is one of those fascinating guests whose lifelong passion has been the science of food. As a little girl, Susan found herself in the kitchen with her family, and her passion lives on in her today. My conversation is all about being a food scientist, working in a test kitchen, and the importance of recipe development. Please enjoy. So when you think about where your cooking is now, so think going back back when you got interested in food oh and was there something that happened in your life or something? What was it when you were younger, older? When was that connection established? There was never a connection, but the light bulb went off. I remember it like it was yesterday. My, I grew up on a lake. So one summer, I think it was before my junior year of high school, I had those big college books where, you know, you're trying to like figure out your life. So you're going through the book, looking at all the majors and the colleges back when people still had books to do that. Yeah. And I was in like the food dietetic section and food science was on there. And I go, that sounds ridiculous. My mom goes, um, that's you. Your mom even My mom did that. It. Yeah. And she's like, you need to research that. So of course, this is before the internet. So I had to like go to the library and research this, this major. And the more I'm reading about it, the more I'm going, yeah, this is something I can do. Because I've always loved to cook. I've always loved to go grocery shopping. My grandma was a dietitian who also loved all of that stuff. So did she, you and her grocery shop and cook and do things like that together? We all did it. My parents both cook. So there was always Gourmet Magazine, Bon Appetit Magazine laying around the house. Um, you know, PBS on Saturday morning always had cooking shows cooking after shows. the cartoons were over. So we would, you know, Julia Child would come on and Jacques Pepin would come on and we would just watch it. So it, it didn't occur to me that this was different or weird or anything that normal people did <laughs> or didn't do. <laughs> so when it came time to choose a major, it just kind of seemed natural. So this was all happening kind of in high school when you were yeah, researching. But what I you're always into. cooked. I always baked. It was nothing for us on a Friday or Saturday night to have pizza night where we would make the entire pizza from scratch. From scratch. And it was ridiculously huge. Like every <laughs> topping we could think of, we put on that pizza. Like it should not even be called pizza. It was a casserole. <laughs> It was a casserole. <laughs> and my dad and I would make these hamburgers with every like spice thing in it. So we were the original fusion cooks. I, I, I like that. I and like I mean, that. but that's how you learn, right? That's mm -hmm. how we learned that sometimes Worcestershire and soy sauce was a little too much together. <laughs> so, yeah. so it was just, it was second nature. It I mean, was it, it was nature. just part of your life and mm -hmm. it was something that, you know, you grew up with. And yeah. then was it different than going into studying it versus living it? Um, studying it became a little bit odd because then I actually realized that I, I had a lot of that was not a lot of innate qualities. You know, I just kind of knew it. So my first foods class and people didn't know how to blanch something. I was like, and you already knew, why do you not know that? Why isn't <laughs> that just ingrained in you? So that was kind of odd to me. So studying it was like, oh, this is actually a thing that people don't know this. this, which was odd to me. But then it was kind of fun because I could be paired up with somebody who didn't necessarily know. So then I learned from her. Usually it was a, a woman because we were all, you know, we were all girls in, the, in these majors except for that one guy. Um, <laughs> we could feed off of each other. Like I could see, okay, where do you need help? How do you not know this? Okay, this is what I can do later on. Not even knowing I'm doing this. Um, how to write a recipe to talk to those people who weren't like me. That you could help teach them in a different way, right. already knowing it. Mm -hmm. That wasn't textbook, college -y. Exactly, exactly. Because back when like our grandparents and our parents were cooking, recipes weren't like they are now. 
they were just, you know, cook until done. <laughs> <laughs> Throw this in a pan. And exactly. <laughs> so I was, I remember cooking from those recipes and then cooking from, you know, current ones going, okay, we need to have a middle ground here. And I think that's kind of how, like, how I approach cooking now and teaching and all of that. And where you're at. So mm-hmm. college for you, was it pretty easy then, your, your major? Because your major was? My major was food science, food consumer science. food science. Consumer At Iowa food. State, we had three tracks, and I picked the consumer food science part. Okay. And why did that so. one speak to you, that particularly one speak to you? I didn't want to work in a lab. I didn't want to necessarily develop new food products. I wanted to help people. I wanted to teach them to cook or help them cook or remember a certain recipe that they had and maybe get them there from something that they had now. Um, So college was easy for me in some parts, but hard in others because I just wanted to go and do it. I didn't want to sit in computer lab. (laughs) I didn't want to sit in chemistry class. I just wanted to go and do it. So that was, it was kind of a struggle for me. Like, let's just go cook. Just, but most of your classes were cooking, but then you did like have computer lab. Right. I had had to do all that regular like college stuff too. So how, (laughs) so similarities since you're, you know, you're not a dietitian, but you Mm -hmm. do have, basically you take all the same classes as a registered dietitian Mm -hmm. would, except your focus is more on the foods classes. When people would ask me the difference between like you and me. Sure. I would say dietitians know how food acts in the body. I know how food acts in the food. And that's very interesting. So that's kind of where we would divide, where you guys would go more into the, you know, the nutrition the and the body classes. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to figure out like the food chemistry part. Like what happens, why does this happen when I do this? You know, how do the, fl- the flavors play together? How do they break down? What happens on, on that other scientific side? And that, and I mm-hmm. think about when I went through school, mm-hmm. I, I, foods was one of my most favorite classes because you did learn a lot of that Mm -hmm. you know why why does mayonnaise turn into mayonnaise and why does this pie crust not work when you put this type of fat in it and Mm -hmm. and that's interesting that you decided to go that route because Mm -hmm. of just your passion was something that you grew up with right and that you realized during school that you could help Mm -hmm. other individuals figure it out in a different way right and I always wanted to help people but I knew that if I went into dietetics, I wouldn't be able to help them the same in, in the best way I could, because I would just want to take them into the kitchen and not be in an office with them. I'd want to be like, okay, let's go cook, and I will show you why you need that whole tablespoon of olive oil. You and know, that's probably what us dietitians need to learn a little bit more. Yeah, come too. over. <laughs> I feel like just yeah. hearing you say that, that mm-hmm. maybe as from a dietitian perspective, we don't understand mm-hmm. that, yeah, olive oil is a fat, right. but it's also necessary for certain things it is. when it comes to making a good food right. product. And think about it. If you're using a whole tablespoon of olive oil, you're not eating the whole tablespoon yourself. It's true. You're dividing it by four or six or eight. So... Yeah. I know it's 100% fat, people. (laughs) But it still is going a long way. 90 calories. Oh, you're good. (laughs) So you're in college. You're doing all these fantastic food classes. You're Mm -hmm. taking those classes you aren't so excited about. Tell me where at in that journey of college, you know, when you thought we're thinking about what you wanted to be when you grew up, you Mm -hmm. knew you wanted to be in the kitchen. You Mm -hmm. knew you wanted to be sharing, you know, those type of things with Mm -hmm. other individuals. What does the landscape of careers look like for someone studying what you were studying? The landscape at that time was starting to get a little murky because we're, we're pre-blogging, which is good, but we're also in that stage of the economy where big magazines and food corporations are shutting down their test kitchens. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to work in a test kitchen where I developed recipes for people to make it home for dinner. Because, I mean, that's what I grew up doing. I grew up helping make dinner. So I wanted to do that for other people because I knew how to do that in high school and college and all of that. Mm-hmm. So I started you know, applying around and I wasn't really hitting on anything, which kind of scared me a little bit. But then I figured there's a reason why this isn't happening right now. Maybe I just need to have more like real world experience. So, I mean, I didn't get my test kitchen job until, goodness, eight years later. So it took me a little time to get there, but I really, I was so happy when I got there because I knew that the experience I had in college and post-college was going to help me even more. When you got in When I got there. Because I knew what it was like to have, you know, 30 minutes to make dinner 
and no money. <laughs> no, which is a huge thing. <laughs> which is a huge thing. So, you know, you take a couple of cans and a package of chicken nuggets and boom, dinner. <laughs> Voila. Yeah. <laughs> so eight years. What did you do for eight years? What was those things that helped prepare, prepare you for that test kitchen job? I worked in retail. Retail. I worked in retail. So my hours were crazy. The pay was very little, but it was so valuable because I learned how to work with people. And I talked to a lot of my coworkers about, I don't think they realized what I was doing, but I was almost doing like market research. <laughs> For the future. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because you run into all sorts of different types of people, you know, in college, even in high school, some of them were out of college looking for a job. And you had like the stay at home moms who just needed something to do during the day. So they picked up a couple hours, you know, working. So that Mm -hmm. was so fascinating to me, just to be able to talk to people. So I was still using my background while I was not using my background. You were doing research. I mean, you were basically researching. So were you talking with them about, you know, meal planning and cooking and just all different aspects of Mm -hmm. what, how it affects different types of people in their home setting? Basically, yeah. And it wasn't, I didn't even phrase it like that. It was like, hey, what are you doing for dinner tonight? Okay. You know, what are your plans after work? It was just like part of the conversation. So they didn't realize what I was doing. And sometimes I didn't realize what I was doing. (laughs) Food is probably a lot of your, it's always probably part of your conversation. It is. You probably sneak it in you don't even realize that you're sneaking it in just because it is such a passion of yours Mm -hmm. but that's awesome well and everybody eats so it's that common thing we have so even if you have nothing to say to somebody if the weather conversation is over (laughs) which is horrible (laughs) which but that's what we all rely on like oh it's such a beautiful day (laughs) oh what are you are you grilling tonight I mean it's like (laughs) you you take it to food (laughs) I know So in that eight years of research what kind Mm -hmm. of things did you take away from it learn from it did it help grow what future Susan was going to be doing in her test kitchen? Um, It kind of confirmed, you know, everything that I had seen and heard. It's, you know, people don't know how to cook because their moms didn't teach them or their dads didn't teach them because they weren't taught. Do you see that a lot? I do. I really do. Do you think there was a generation thinking about your home life and then where we're kind of at now and as a little bit older adults, but do you feel like there's a lot of areas where people just don't know how to cook at all? I think we were the first generation, you and I were the first generation of like, we don't know how to cook. Cause like our parents knew, they knew enough to get by, mm-hmm. but their parents were like, I want you to have a better life. You know, don't help me with dinner, go study, go whatever. So they never really had, they never learned because their parents didn't think it was important. Not realizing that that entire generation had another generation coming on after them. Mm-hmm. So I think we are the first ones who are like, hey, Domino's. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that driver is looking delicious tonight. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So, you know, I learned a lot of how to deal with convenience foods, you know, how to spice up hamburger helper. And I'm not even kidding you. You know, that's what the majority of people were eating. That's consuming. what we're eating. That's what we're eating. You know, we were brought up, like I was brought up, my mom stayed at home. I was very lucky to be, you know, come home to a house with people in it, which was very nice. But it was also very nice because she could pull me into the kitchen too. Even though I wanted to be there, I did my homework at the kitchen table and then all of a sudden I was in there chopping an onion or I was in there browning ground beef. And, you know, she's like, okay, well, so we're going to have, you know, yeah, we are going to have hamburger helper tonight but I'm going to stir in a bag of frozen corn. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of when it got going for me. Like, okay, I'm going to take what I learned growing up and tell them, you know what you can do? You can throw in a bag of frozen corn. And that's super easy. It's super easy. Or I know you like chicken nuggets. Have you ever thought about chopping them up and putting them on a pizza, drizzling some buffalo chicken sauce over it, and boom, you've got buffalo chicken pizza? And it turns chicken nuggets into pizza. Exactly, which are two <laughs> food groups. <laughs> That's really interesting. And it's interesting just thinking about that, you know, you do come from a big food background, mm-hmm. but you guys still ate Hamburger Helper and you still, still did those things Absolutely. that we did growing up. But Absolutely. you still have a realistic image that mm-hmm. not everyone's going to sit there and cook no. a, an hour to two hour meal. You can't. You can't. There's just no way you can these days. If you want to eat at nine o'clock, go ahead. <laughs> but nobody wants to do that. I mean, you work nine or 10 hours a day. Either you're, you know, on your feet running around like a crazy person or you're sitting at a desk like typing away and the last thing on your mind is dinner until you hit that car door and you're like, oh shit. <laughs> I, that happened to me last week. Like I plan my meals every week and I did not plan a single thing last week. So there were times when I was like, how can I jazz up a box of macaroni and cheese? Mm-hmm. I'm not even kidding you. 
and I'm sure you did. And I did, but you know, there's (laughs) how did you jazz up your macaroni and cheese? That time, I think, what shape did I use? I think we had shells. (laughs) Fancy. (laughs) Well, and uh, here's something that you may not know. There is a different cheese formula for every shape of macaroni and cheese. I had no idea. Yes, there's a different cheese formula. Well, just because everywhere. it sticks to the pasta in a different way? Yeah. Okay. And there's a different quantity of pasta for every shape. Oh, my gosh. So, I know. Mind blown. Totally mind blown. <laughs> Holy buckets. I yeah. have no idea. No, it's true. It's true. <laughs> so, we had shells, which sometimes is a little cheesier. So, I knew I could get away with stretching it with vegetables. Okay. So, I did. I threw in corn. And, and family loved it. Family loved it. And they didn't realize they were eating even eating corn in their mac and cheese because it's the same color. True. And so, it has the same kind of similar texture to absolutely, pasta. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so I knew I could get away with adding, you know, adding that. And it was fine. We made it through. I would have thrown a hot dog in if I had it just for like <laughs> flashback. Yeah. Back and those too. are the nights I do serve on a lunch tray. Oh, I like that. Because mm-hmm. Target had a sale. I love so I that. bought them. <laughs> we so grew up on lunch trays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did. I love I have yeah, in the basement. I love them. <laughs> and it makes it fun. So if you're serving something that's kind of like, ooh macaroni and cheese and hot dogs for dinner really are we eight mm-hmm. and you put it on a lunch tray and it's like yes this we are is... eight and it's awesome <laughs> you start to get a little giddy exactly yeah exactly <laughs> so let's go to your test kitchen you finally get your test kitchen super excited so tell excited. me about what happens or what occurs and were you ready for your test kitchen do you feel like you said you got a lot of great experience from retail mm-hmm. college, did you feel like you were prepared to be in that working environment? I think I was prepared. I don't think I was prepared in the sense that I was I didn't know what I was in for because they were established. They knew what they wanted. At the time um, I, I joined, they were still following very strict rules from the previous generation in our test kitchen. So as I went along in my career, it kind of loosened up and changed where we took control and we said, yes, we do want to follow your nutritional guidelines. That's very important. But no, we don't want to always follow the same dump and pour recipe. Because not everybody can cook wants to cook that mm. way. And plus, nutrition needs changed. It needs to evolve. It, it evolved, exactly. And we got to a point where um, sodium was a really big deal. So we couldn't use a lot of those convenience foods because they were so high in sodium. And the no-salt added products weren't out yet. Huh. So, so that was tricky. That was tricky. That was really tricky. So we're still dealing with... we And 30-minute meals, Rachel Ray, was a big deal at the time when I first started. So everybody was looking for that quick. We're still doing 30-minute meals. And she has a formula where she did burgers, and she did pasta, and she did salads. So we did a lot of burgers. We did a lot of pasta. We did a lot of salads. <laughs> because you can do that in 30 minutes. It's the mm-hmm. easiest thing to do. So, I mean, I hit the ground running. And it was so fun, exhilarating to be able to finally do this. And you got to create recipes from scratch? I did. And my first recipe I created from scratch, I will never forget it. I took a, a container of that Alouette cheese mm-hmm. spread, and it was that. And I think I used, I, I don't even think I used like regular raw chicken breast. I think I used a package of the like um, Lewis Rich pre-cooked. pre-cooked grilled chicken. So I thinned the cheese with some milk. And when I boiled the pasta, I threw in, did I throw in peas? And the chicken and mix the whole thing together. That sounds delicious. It was so good. And I think I still make it to this day. <laughs> and we might have it next week now that I'm talking to you about it. Put that on the list exactly. for your planning. <laughs> exactly. And it pops up in our weekly recipes every so often. And I just get a little warm fuzzy. Like, that because was my your, first recipe. That is, that's like your little baby. It is my baby. But I do look back on it and go, oh, that was written so terribly. <laughs> because the way you write recipes has evolved. From when you started. From when I started till now. What's changed just with writing recipes? Um, We've gotten a little more sophisticated now because like it was so basic before, but now people are turning into foodies. I hate that word. (laughs) Tell me why you hate that word. uh, It just sounds so like, I'm a foodie. (laughs) I eat food, so I'm a foodie. Exactly. (laughs) Like, I put parsley on this, so I'm a foodie. (laughs) No, you just eat. Just stop it. You're just a human being You're, who eats. Exactly. So. <laughs> just just stop putting a label on yourself and just enjoy yourself. Because most foodies really don't have any background whatsoever they like don't. you do yeah. in food science. And I think that's why I don't like the word foodie because anybody calls themselves that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, I was the first. <laughs> I was the first foodie. I did it first. I was the food hipster. <laughs> I like that. I, <laughs> no, like I do that. too. Let's, let's, let's go with that. 
<laughs> well, and thinking, like you even said, just recipe. And mm-hmm. I think there's probably a lot of us that don't even think about what gets the, the thought process in oh. putting a recipe together mm-hmm. and how you do have to write correctly and it has to be in the right order and Mm -hmm. so maybe talk to me i mean you talked about how it's changed so Mm -hmm. currently what is the big premise behind how recipes are written why Mm -hmm. are they written that way there's always been the way recipes are written if you even look back at i collect old like vintage better homes and betty crocker Mm -hmm. cookbooks and you can see the difference between the ones from like the 30s and the 40s to the ones now because back then it was yeah mix it all together cook at 350 till done and now it's preheat oven to 350 150 degrees line your baking pan with parchment paper spray it with you know blah blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. so you're going step by step by step because people have realized i don't know how to do this it's not innate anymore it just goes back to the People don't cook anymore. Exactly. So we have to do our best to tell them exactly what to do, how to do it to get to that end result. Because you're really telling them, that's really directions. You're writing directions for somebody. Like you did in class for exactly. your, your peers. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny because that first pasta recipe I wrote, I could tell that I was just so excited, but still a little green. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've totally rewritten it since then. Maybe Have you? three times. <laughs> it's yeah. going to evolve. It's, if you're really going to keep has. passing this recipe on, it's probably going to keep evolving. Yeah. And it, I mean, that cheese might not even be around anymore we might have to go to borson or something (laughs) but yeah the way recipes are written are that's important you know that's important because if you miss a step it's not going to work or if you like have an ingredient listed in the front or the top and you don't use it in the directions but you because you forgot it that that could be a huge issue Mm -hmm. not just a flavor issue but like your cookie might not rise correctly if you forget the baking soda absolutely Mm -hmm. or if you decide that you're going to use margarine instead of butter because margarine is 100% fat, butter's only 92% fat. So it's going to be a little bit different. And I think that's a great thing to bring up. And that's why I find just talking to you so interesting. Because mm-hmm. I think us as dietitians, we feel like we know food, so we know how to change a recipe and we can make it healthier. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. That yeah. there is a, like you said, the fat content, just yeah. margarine versus butter, right. can completely change a recipe. Mm-hmm. So even kind of talk to me too about, you know, when it comes to how your process of putting together a recipe mm-hmm. and, um, you know, how when you are putting together a recipe, thinking about maybe not always health, but how the function of the recipe mm-hmm. is going to work first and foremost. Well, cooking is different from baking. Baking is a formula and you really don't want to mess with ratios too much because once you do, you're going to have issues. Your cookie might not, or your cake might not turn out the way you want it to because you've suddenly decreased the amount of moisture available or you've got too much fat in there, way too much, not enough sugar, all of that stuff needs to work together. But with cooking, you can you can do a lot of stuff. Okay. You know, you're pretty free and easy to do stuff. Plus with cooking, it's a little more forgivable. So if you're browning some onions and they're looking a little like dry, mm-hmm. throw some more stuff in there. You know, that's fine. That's not gonna be that big of a deal. Plus you can taste as you're going. With baking, you really can't do that because cake batter is delicious. <laughs> Food safety, not so Okay, much. that's a whole different subject. <laughs> we won't talk about that. I know, that's a different subject. <laughs> but like, you can taste the batter and go, oh, this tastes okay, but it might not bake up okay. Sure. You know, but with a spaghetti sauce, you can taste it and go, mm, this needs more sugar. Mm-hmm. You can throw it in and your end product is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So you're, you've got a little more leeway to go with, with cooking, which is nice. So if, if dietitians wanted to start maybe altering things, don't yeah. alter the baking. Stick don't more alter with the, the cooking. You can alter the baking a little bit. I think you can alter the sugar up to 25%. Okay. You can take it down. But it's going to affect browning. It's going to affect tenderness a little bit. But with cooking, you know, if you want to go from a tablespoon to a teaspoon of oil, you probably can get away with it depending on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like if you're sauteing onions, they give off a lot of moisture, so you're good there. Mm-hmm. But if you throw carrots in there, they don't give off much moisture, neither do celery. And they need a little longer saute time, so you're going to need a little more fat to kind of get you through. Okay. You know, See, I would have no clue about little things like that. that. At all. I just yeah. wouldn't put anything in the pan, and I would just hope for the best. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's, I think that's just mm-hmm. my inner, you know, don't yeah. add stuff that, 
in my head nutritionally could affect it, but it's really the prep prepping and the end result that's affected yeah and plus when you're like sauteing those onions with celery and and garlic and carrots and all that good stuff the sweetness comes out a little bit you know so you're adding another level of flavor there so if you throw them in raw it's going to be a little bit harsh and Mm -hmm. crunchy and if you saute them just a little bit or even steam them just a little bit you're not going to get the same result as that you know five or ten minutes longer Gotcha. Over a lower heat with a little more oil. You're going to get a little more sweetness, a little more tenderness, another flavor level that you're not quite going to get if you lower the, you know, the oil. Mm-hmm. You know, that makes sense, though. It really does. It really does. There's a reason why low and slow taste better and a little more fat tastes better. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that in there. <laughs> okay. A little, a little fat's not ever going to hurt fat's anybody. not going to hurt you. <laughs> you can cut it in other ways. You, know, you can use a harder, stronger cheese at the end if you're doing okay. like spaghetti or a casserole. So you only need a little bit of Parmesan to get you through, and that'll add flavor that you might have taken away if you want to do less mozzarella or less cheddar. Mm-hmm. I think that, I guess thinking back, even back on school, that's the kind of stuff that I think us dietitians should have learned mm-hmm. when we were having classes with the I food scientist to have that, you know, let's really realistically think about how we can do this healthier, but still let it taste good. And Absolutely. Not just so focused on mm-hmm. by the book type of thing. Yeah. See, we all need to take another class again from you. Maybe you should have your own <laughs> oh God. little school for dietitians. Could you stand it? <laughs> I could. I'd be like, let's do this because I love to oh, learn. Some club room somewhere is going to be like locked. <laughs> We're all going to be inside. It's going to be a group of dietitians and Susan. And oh she's going to be like, okay, ladies and that one gentleman that's now a dietitian. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so let's go back to your test kitchen days and you worked in the test kitchen for how long i was there for almost eight years oh wow yeah almost eight years so this was one of those test kitchens that didn't go away initially when you were coming out of school it yeah it was one of the last ones okay and unfortunately now it's gone it's gone now too. it's gone now too can you tell why did why did test kitchens kind of go by the wayside um we've moved into a chef culture okay which is great you know, which is great. Celebrity chefs are fabulous. They've gotten people interested. Um, unfortunately, I think the three of us all can live harmoniously. Sure. But we don't for some reason. I agree. You know, it, it's so funny because chefs write a recipe for a chef, for their kitchen, for their style of cooking. And it doesn't really always make that leap. So now I'm more into the editing of recipes with my current status in life. And I will get a chef recipe. And depending on the chef, I can go back and be like, okay, we need to have a discussion because I'm not following what you're talking about. What, or like, it'll say a quarter cup parsley, comma, fresh, comma, chopped. Because that's how they do it in chef life. So I have to say, okay, I realize it's fresh parsley, but is it chopped before or after cooking? That makes a difference. Oh. So it's just those little things they're writing for themselves. They know, but I don't know. Sure. And the customer is certainly not going to know. So, you know, that's, um, kind of the reason why I'm sad that test kitchens have gone away. Because now we're in the chef culture and there's another gap where customer or regular people are like, I'm cooking from this chef, but I don't know. It didn't turn out the way it does mm. when I eat at his restaurant. Sure. So, you know, I'm sad that test kitchens have gone away because we really could make that, you know, that connection for people. So if you pick up like a, a recipe book from mm-hmm. a very famous chef mm-hmm. off of a food channel or yeah. something, do you see discrepancies in those recipes or do they have people like you? So they do yeah. have that in-between person yeah. with the really famous people, but mm-hmm. it's just all the other individuals that are yeah. more, maybe not so famous that have right. that disconnect. Right. There's usually they have a ghostwriter or they have an editor who will work with them and, and watch like a hawk and see what they do. Cause they'll say, you know, this has got a cup of cheese in it, but when you look at it, it's got three cups of cheese in it. <laughs> <laughs> like one cup, three cups, big difference. Yeah, big difference, big difference. So there is somebody cooking with them usually mm-hmm. to say, mm, no. no, you know, this is what you're actually doing. So there are people like me out there working with these chefs to say, um, this is how we can, we're going to write it. This is how it's going to translate. 
So you're kind of, you are kind of doing the same thing though, right I now. I kind of am. You're just getting them. You're not sitting next to them. Right. Just submitting. <laughs> I'm just getting the recipe. recipes to you. Yeah. So yeah. you were in the test kitchen for eight years mm-hmm. and that they dissolved the test kitchen. And this has been in the same retail yeah. group that you've been working with mm-hmm. since you've been out of college. Yep. Uh, so what were you just, were you devastated? I was devastated. Were you? I knew it was coming. You did. Because the woman who was in charge of us was, was, was retiring hard to say okay and (laughs) and we kept hearing murmurs that it was going to go away but we couldn't get any answers Mm. they kept saying you'll have a job (laughs) and one of the girls was like but I want my job (laughs) but in what (laughs) yeah exactly so we um there were three of us and we got split up and one stayed on kind of in a test kitchen capacity and then I went into more of the technical IT um, website world. Okay. And another one just kind of went away. Oh. I know. But now she's teaching, so it's great. So she's, that happy. she's happy. <laughs> she's happy. Yeah, she's back teaching, and she's happy. And I'm happy for her. Well, that's good. That's good. So, but so yeah. how about you? So now how are you liking this new frontier of it's IT? Different. different. It's really different. But that's the way the world is, is going these days mm-hmm. with blogging and such a heavy web presence of food and cooking and recipes and all of that, where this is something I never dreamed I would be doing. You know, so I do get to write a little bit. I get to, you know, edit a lot of recipes and and see what's out there. Like this morning I made omelets in my waffle maker. You did? I did, and it was (laughs) awesome. I think I saw that on Instagram. It was awesome. Yes, it was good. Yeah, we made three of them. Turned out really well. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But it's all those things. I never would have, I would have done it in the test kitchen. In the test kitchen, I never would have done it at home. So now your home is your test kitchen. Now my home is my test kitchen. Do you do a lot of testing recipes at your home? I do. You do? I do. Is this more of a personal choice or just kind of, it does tie into your job or... Both combination see of all both. of the above. Yeah, because this, this has been your life since you were little. So your kitchen been. has always been kind of the hub of your yeah. passion. It so. has been. It has been. And with you know when we were looking for a new house, I said I need to have a kitchen that is like integrated into the whole house because that's where people are going to end up. And sure enough, it has a breakfast bar and a giant pantry. <laughs> and you can find Susan at the breakfast bar or exactly. in the pantry. <laughs> exactly. And people will be sitting at the breakfast bar going, I need another waffle, please. <laughs> so you do so, spend a lot of time, even I after you do. leave work every day, mm-hmm. just kind of still working on things from work. Mm-hmm. And Well, I think at home, that's where like the creative juices start flowing too. Okay. You know, Because being in the environment... You know, when I at my at home making dinner, going, okay, this is a recipe that I picked up, you know, from somewhere. How do I do this better? How do I make this faster? How do I make it more appealing to? I live with a picky eater. How do I make it more appealing sure. to him? You know, how do I make it more appealing to a two-year-old? You know, who's not the picky eater? <laughs> <laughs> hmm, sorry, that honey. How that works out. <laughs> uh, but, so yeah. you're always your brain always is thinking. always looking at a recipe in, in mm-hmm. a very different yeah. way. But we're surrounded by food. You know, if you look at our culture, we're surrounded by food because we're always, you know, watching TV, there's always a commercial for what's the next meal, you know, whether it's picking up a pizza mm-hmm. or tacos or a grocery store or even beer. True. You know, it's all around us. So it's easy to be, you know, always thinking about it. Plus, if you look at our bookcases in our house, it's <laughs> all cookbooks and food books and all of that. You like to collect, obviously you like I to collect. do. Do you ever make anything out of those? Older? Actually, yeah. Yeah. I have too many now. <laughs> and when we moved, we moved last year and I was kind of given an ultimatum. Like <laughs> you can't keep all these. This is ridiculous. <laughs> so now I've picked a book every week and I cook from that book. And if there aren't enough recipes or meals in that book that we like, mm-hmm. it's out. Oh, I like that. So, yeah. So you're giving one last chance. I am. To see if it's something that's mm-hmm. going to be actually usable. Right. And some of them I keep just for sentimental reasons because they were my grandma's or somebody gave oh, it to sure. me or, you know, it's a place we went to or it's a chef I really, really like. I'm just like, I can't. I have to keep this because they're inspiring to me. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to make anything. Or they're really good looking. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're saying that you have to tell me who's a chef that you really, really like. I'm a huge Nigella Lawson fan. Okay. Huge. Like, I don't see her a ton anymore. Not anymore. But I remember seeing, because she used to be on the Style Network like a long time ago. Yeah. Back when that network was still about like clothes and stuff. 
And I remember seeing her commercials going, and I was captivated instantly. Like, who is this woman? Because she was on there with dirty hair and very little makeup and a jean jacket and a t-shirt. And she put out this food that was food I wanted to serve. And I thought, that is me. That is me. That is who I want to be. You connected with her. I connected with her right away. Plus, my grandmother was a huge um, Anglophile. She went to England a couple times, you know, a decade. Her best friend was over there. So to me, it was like that connection. That's really, that's very interesting. I have every single one of her cookbooks. Do you have every one of her cookbooks? And I even have two copies of some. I'll have the American version (laughs) and I'll have the version from the UK. Do you? (laughs) This past year for Christmas, I got a signed copy of her (gasps) book. Oh my gosh. I'm not kidding you. I wept. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, she held this book. Do you even <laughs> she know touched what this it. is? Oh my God. So I'm assuming you cook from her. I do. Often. And I actually pulled one of her books from the collection right before I came here. Did you? This is the week. This is Nigella week. Oh, I love it. I love it. So and now that you're I'm gonna I'm gonna wanna I look at some of these recipes and-, and you know, they're not anything over the top or special because she's I mean, as she claims, she's just a home cook, she's not a chef. And I thought, but that's who we all are. We're all home cooks. Don't call me a chef. I'm not a chef. I have no ambitions to be a chef. That's a lot of work. And my knife skills suck. (laughs) So you're like, no. I'm I'm like, no, I don't have time for that. I know people who are chefs. They can do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm a home cook. That's all I want to be. You know, I want to cook for my family. I want to cook for my friends. That's how I show them I love them. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get something from me, you're up here. <laughs> oh my gosh, so you're I up here. Cookies, you guys. I am up. I'm, I've hit a level. That's yeah, awesome. But I mean, that's, but that's how I do it. You know, I, I connected with her instantly. So some of the recipes I've made, and because she is, you know, a cook in another culture, their palates and our palates aren't the same. So I, some of her recipes don't really fit our tastes. But I will never get rid of her cookbook because it's the way I feel when I'm cooking from them. It's like, mm, you that's get a it. feeling from it. I do, and I think that's the most important part of cooking. If you get that feeling, there should like, be a feeling. There should be a feeling when you're cooking, even if it's just a box of macaroni and cheese. You know, crank up the music, take <laughs> off your shoes, put on something a little more comfortable, pour yourself a glass of wine, and just dig in. And have fun with it. And have fun with it. Because if it is only a box of macaroni and cheese still, you're still making dinner for the people you love. I love that. I know. That's all it is. And that's, and like you said too, there, you know, food, everyone Everyone has has to eat connection to food Mm -hmm. so why not make every connection amazing? Exactly. And it doesn't have to be the most amazing food, but it's just that time of sitting down at the table. I'm a huge proponent of dinners together. I hate when you're like all separated. I hate that. <laughs> if it, even if it's 10 minutes, just sit down together. That you're together. Talk about your day. And then you can go, you know, to soccer practice and the meeting and, you know, finish the laundry. But it just take 10 minutes. And have that connection. Yeah. Because that's all it is. I grew up having family dinners and it was wonderful. And that's good that so, you carried on that tradition. We've worked really hard. And it does take time. That's the it thing. Does. It does take time mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. And even as people that are so connected to food, I think we even have to make more of a conscious effort because we work in it all day long. Exactly. And we can easily just be like, I'm over it when I get home. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. But you know, we're also lucky that we can pick up a pizza on their way out and be like, this is dinner tonight. But we're going to have it together. But we're going to have it together. And Mm -hmm. even before we were like a quote unquote family and our friends lived by us, that was our family. We would have, like, we would make an effort to get together at least once a week with our people. And, you know, usually it was on the nights when, like, a TV show was on that we all wanted to watch. So, like, when American Idol was a big deal, we would get together and watch American Idol and have, you know, some sort of meal together. Granted, we were in front of the TV the whole time, but we were together. Sure. Where yeah. most people could be, one could be upstairs, one could be downstairs. Exactly. TVs are on all over the place. Exactly. And- I mean, we even turned like severe weather into an event. <laughs> <laughs> we live in Iowa. It it's true. It's a very lot. exciting. It is very exciting. So it's like, okay, we've got a tornado <laughs> issue happening. Do you guys all want to like congregate? Because we lived in an apartment building at a time. Uh huh. So like the people on the ground floor, they were the safest. <laughs> So if you were in an area that wasn't so safe, you bring your chips and salsa, someone would bring some beer, and it would be fine. I like that. I like that. So you can turn any event into a family meal. You can. Mm -hmm. As long as you have food and you have friends or family, you're good. Sometimes your music is the tornado siren. (laughs) It is. 
<laughs> It'll break it if it has to. Exactly. It absolutely fine. has to. <laughs> fine. So I really, I love that, the fact that, you know, even though like your dream of your mm-hmm. working in a test kitchen has changed and evolved mm-hmm. and you're still kind of making sure that you're keeping it alive, mm-hmm. your desire to work with recipes in mm-hmm. your own kitchen. And so we're thinking about your current status. Oh where does, where does Susan want to be when she grows up? What is the <sighs> lifelong goal for you and being a food scientist and that is a huge question. I know, and I, isn't it? I do ask myself that quite often. <laughs> That's good. That means that you still are thinking about I'm still thinking about it. The I'm, um, I'm never gonna be a blogger. Okay. Because my photography sucks. <laughs> so you don't wanna you don't wanna take pictures. I don't. And I mean I snap a picture with my iPhone, I throw mm-hmm. it on Instagram, I throw it on Facebook, I throw it on Twitter. That's as far as we're going. <laughs> That's like that's where everybody is though. That's honestly. where everybody is, exactly. Mm-hmm. But I don't have the patience to like pretty up the food. I just wanna eat it. <laughs> You want to, you're, like you said, you're an at-home cook. I so. am. I'm a home cook. I want to, you know, and I am actually gathering all the recipes that we do eat and enjoy on a regular basis, whether that becomes a blog, quote unquote, that I throw something out there just so it's a record that might become a thing. But to answer your question, I have no idea. You have no idea. Because things are changing so quickly and I mean, never in a million years did I think that my test kitchen job was going to end. And it did in that iteration. It has changed now because I still look at my kitchen as a test kitchen, but it's just not a test kitchen with capital letters. A formal. Yeah. Test it's kitchen. just a little tiny one. <laughs> it's just your one that has a big pantry and exactly, breakfast bar. And a breakfast bar. Exactly. <laughs> and wine. <laughs> wine. <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't know because we're, it's, everything is morphing and changing so quickly. You know, one of these days we might come across something the same way I did with food science mm-hmm. where the light goes off and I go, oh, this is that's me. the next step. So I've kind of learned to kind of roll with the punches. Okay. Do you kind of dabble in different things here and there? <sighs> you know, I do. I've, I've learned a lot of, I've learned coding. I can code now. Now that you're in IT stuff. Yeah. So I never thought that I'd be able to do that. (laughs) So, but that has helped with things because now I can, I thought, well, if I do ever want to do something bloggy, but not a blog, I can do that because I know how to do that. That's really cool. So that is cool. That you got to learn. So you learned that in your current role right now. I did. And I was kind of thrown to the fire. Like, you got to do this. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Because what are you doing IT-wise? So you're learning how to code, so obviously you're doing some... So I do a lot of... Um, after I'm done editing a recipe, I'll load it on a website. Okay. You know, I'll edit an article, I'll load it on the website. So I know how to link recipes within an article or articles within articles, all of that stuff. So I do know how to do some of that bloggy website stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of editing, which has been really good for my recipe writing thing. It also has helped when I'm testing a recipe from an unknown source um, because I am able to read people's minds a little bit more. Because <laughs> you need to do that. Because I need to do that. It's true. You are a mind reader now. Uh, yeah. So I'm like, okay. Can you I put can... that on a resume if you ever switch jobs? Mind reader? I might just do it yeah, and I see if anybody should. notices. You should. That'd be fun to see if I Other skills. <laughs> mind reading. <laughs> and um, translating. And translating. <laughs> yeah, so I can look at it. And I can look at the picture and look at the recipe and go, okay, I think this is what they mean. And I'll make a note. So if I'm testing it for someone else, if I'm doing like a freelance job, I can be like, okay, is this really what you meant? Okay. Oh, yeah, this is what they meant. So you do some stuff so kind of freelancing on the side. do some freelance, side. yeah. Which, Which is, is good. That probably fits into keeping your passion where that test kitchen yeah. component is. I actually anymore. got to help test recipes for a cookbook, like a real live sold on Amazon cookbook. Ooh, that's so exciting. So that was very exciting. What about your, yeah. you should be thinking about like your compositing of your recipes for your own cookbook. You know, I have thought about it, but again, like I said, they evolve so much where I have like a homemade version of, of hamburger helper. If we're going to go back to that <laughs> and the recipe, the version I made of it 10 years ago is so different than the one that's now really, you know, now is less cheesy. I'm from Wisconsin. It should have lots of cheese in it. <laughs> you should. <laughs> I mean, everything I put should, you know, have should put cheese on it. But you know, but maybe I, the type of cheese that you use is evolved as well. It's still Velveeta. Oh, still Velveeta. Okay, just a little bit less I'm of it. Just it's the two percent milk. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> that wasn't around always. No, either, it's right? healthy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, some things you just have to do the Velveeta. <laughs> I agree, hundred yeah. percent. But my tuna casserole, like I have made the same tuna casserole recipe that my mom made. I think she got it from some like 
I think it was Betty Crocker from the mid seventies <laughs> with the potato chips on top. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause oh, you gotta yeah. have the potato chips. <laughs> yes. Um, but that one has even evolved where that used to have Velveeta in it, but now I put really good aged cheddar in it Oh. because okay. I've become a little snotty. Okay. Well, you know, that's okay. I know. You like little aged cheddar. That's exactly. <laughs> and your tuna casserole. <laughs> but you know, so I think if I would ever do like a family cookbook, I'd have to do something online mm-hmm. where I could do that updated version. I love that because mm-hmm. you, then you could change it when it needed to be changed Absolutely. or if you're right you decided that you did it a different way and well and trends better. change you know it's so funny how we always say oh i like the classics the classics stick you know forever but they don't you know they, they still don't. evolve too. tuna casserole will be around until the end of times but we're <laughs> always going to figure out a way to bring it up you know to our standards of what we like of course you know of course i like i like though that you how you say that you know, recipes, they do evolve and we all have an idea of what we love, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it has to always just be that particular exactly. recipe. I had a cookbook that I loved when I was a kid because it looked like a kid drew it. <laughs> and my mom cooked from it all the time. It was one of those like granola hippie, like seventies <laughs> crunchy granola cookbooks. <laughs> and I made a recipe from it that I loved when I was a kid mm-hmm. and I made it for us not too long ago. And I was like, this is dumb. <laughs> Did that book go with it? No, I had to keep it for sentimental yeah, reasons. That was a sentimental reason. But it was why. like, wow, I like things with a little more flavor. So, you know, next time if I would ever make it again, I couldn't call it the same thing because my husband would be like, you made this and it sucked. Again. Why are you doing this? <laughs> but, you know, throw a little dry mustard in there to spice it up a little bit. Extra black pepper, you know, some of those little things where a little thyme, make it a little... A little jazzier, sure. But at least, yeah. I mean, but at least you know that mm-hmm. you have those skills to yeah. do that, mm-hmm. and that you've known your tastes have evolved. Yeah, too. exactly. <laughs> but it was just so funny. Like I loved this when I was a kid. This sucks. <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> this is not good. But you sometimes, and I do know when I taste a recipe, like this has potential. This is going to be something. Sometimes it's like this is not going to be anything. You already can, you already know. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. we had a a nacho, I made nachos for dinner the other night and, um, the topping was terrible. I mean, it was good, but for my, you know, purposes, it was terrible. Gotcha. And that was gone. You're like, nope, this is out. Mm -mm. It's gone. And you don't waste any more time with it Mm -mm. because there's plenty of recipes out there. Absolutely. And (laughs) I didn't, I didn't have to waste my time on that one. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't think so. I don't think so. We we ate it. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Did you eat it? Absolutely. <laughs> Did you just throw some more Velveeta on it? I, you know, and it's funny because it was based with Velveeta based. Was it? Yeah. So yeah, you would you'd be very particular but about that. I was, but Absolutely. I was like, okay, do I make a regular cheese sauce from scratch? Yeah, not worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, do I change the protein because it was grilled chicken? Eh, not worth it. Just you know, I went ingredient by ingredient by ingredient. Is it worth it? No, it's not. It's not worth it. Out. Wow. Plus, it was in a slow cooker. Oh. So, you know, I thought, uh, I have to invest three hours of time of cooking this. Sure. I have to come home from work to start this recipe and then go back so we can have it on time. Not worth it. Wow. So. And I I honestly, as registered dietitians, we have no clue. (laughs) The, The... purpose and the thought and the work that goes mm-hmm. into recipes and I know just even from my perspective just changing an ingredient and changing something it's not that easy it's like you said you easy. have to go through mm-hmm. so many different steps to really realize mm-hmm. if it's a worth it recipe or not a worth it right. recipe yeah and because as a food scientist I do pay attention to nutrition mm-hmm. I'm sure it comes as a shock <laughs> no I totally <laughs> I believe you not everybody does not everybody does but I look at it and I go you know what is this worth the calories you know, is it worth the time and the effort? But it is also worth the calories. Because let's face it, like, if you're going to eat something, you might as well make it good for you, mm-hmm. good-ish for you. Mm-hmm. So and you, taste good and, and, taste good. and yeah. make that investment in the calories. Right. Cal- I always think a calorie is like money. You're gonna, if you're going to spend your calories on something, mm-hmm. then it better taste really right. good. Yeah. What's my return on investment with this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's my ROI on this? Exactly. I got some ROI on this recipe. <laughs> I might make that a category. You should. I'm going to. 
I'm like, I'm like, see, we're brainstorming through this conversation. Because I do use, I have recipe software that I use on my computer to keep all of my stuff together. I wonder if I can customize it so I can add an ROI. I I think that we will have to do another podcast and we can talk about your recipe development with your ROI on there. Yeah. If I would show you my meal planning process, you'd be like, oh my God, this girl. It'd be interesting because I think, you know, just as a, I'm an educator and Mm -hmm. I do what I do, but It'd be interesting it's to huge. see how you put mm-hmm. things together from mm-hmm. a food science-based perspective and how you put meals together. Well, and I also look at it because I'll write an article about meal planning and I'm writing this down going, this is so basic, but I think it's one of those things that we just forget to mm-hmm. do because we're so busy getting out the door, paying our bills, making sure the dog has enough food, you know, all <laughs> of that stuff that we forget that it's easy to take 10 minutes to and write down everything, make your grocery list and zoom to the store. It doesn't mm-hmm. take any time at all. No. But we forget. We do forget. We do forget. And that's a lo- usually the last thing on the list. Mm-hmm. When do you meal plan? When's like, do you have a certain time of day or week that you normally do it? If I have time, I do it. Okay. That's basically Just whenever it. you can kind of fit it in. I try to do it on a Saturday or Sunday because we do go grocery shopping as a family. Okay. So we are those people that I hate. <laughs> that load up the whole fam and go to the grocery we store. We go to the grocery store together, <laughs> but I don't know always who needs what. And if I'll say... Because we are the worst, too, where it's like, my husband will be like, oh, I need cereal. And I'll look at my kid, and I'm like, oh, you need snacks. <laughs> because you don't always think of that sure. when you're at when home. It's just, or when it's just you. Yeah. But if you're actually in the environment, it is easier for us right now. I'm sure it will change. But yeah, we go as a family. But I, I go with a strict grocery list. Strict at the beginning. <laughs> I was like, when does it change? Yeah, Especially usually by the time we hit like aisle you. two. <laughs> we're good in produce, we're good in bakery. <laughs> then we get to the... And then we get to like the baking side. aisle. And it's like, oh, because that's where all, in our store, that's where all the canned fruit is. And it's like, oh, oh we need applesauce. Gotcha. Or do we need muffins? Yeah, we might need some muffins this week. That sounds like a nice treat. Mm-hmm. But then I have to make that split, that's the split second decision and go, do I buy the box, make it from scratch? Because I can do both. Sure. So. Well, and that's interesting that mm-hmm. most people probably don't even think about from scratch versus a box. No. It's just like, hey, there's a box. Woohoo. Exactly. <laughs> but at the same time, when I'm grocery shopping, I'm also observing how people shop. So I'm the worst person. You are constantly thinking about stuff. I really am. You are. <laughs> I really am. Because it's like, whether are they using their phones? Are they using a list? You know, well, you're thinking of that IT perspective too. Exactly. I really am. I really am. Because that's what you're working in currently. And I'm really trying to be you know, that person they can go to and say, how do we structure our grocery list? Because I like mine done according to the aisles in the store, Mm -hmm. which is so much easier than going around. Absolutely. And I, when we moved, I was that person who was taking pictures of all the signs (laughs) in the store. And I'm sure they were probably like, what is she doing? (laughs) But I was reworking my list because I use an app. Mm-hmm. So I was reworking my list. So you could figure out which aisle it was. Exactly. Exactly. There's so, so yeah. much. So my meal planning is is pretty basic because right now I am pulling that one cookbook and pulling all the recipes from it. But sometimes it's a week where, you know, the, the seasons are transitioning and all of a sudden I want everything out of the slow cooker. And so then I go to my, either I go to Pinterest or I go to my recipe program and I just look up slow cooker and boom. Find some. And that kind of goes back to the feeling of mm-hmm. food and what it does for you at Absolutely. certain times in your life too. Right. Yeah, because sometimes all you want is comfort food. Mm-hmm. You know, we're getting close to that time we are. right now. We are. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I want a baked potato with everything on it. Oh, sounds delicious. Doesn't that sound good? It does sound delicious. You might have to have that this week. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> but then I'm also looking at it like, what do I have in the freezer that I've made ahead and frozen? That you have. Because mm-hmm. like Monday, I don't have to work, so I'm going to cook freezer meals all day. Oh, that, that's great. Mm-hmm. You have a day to do that. Yeah. So you have really a whole nice. bunch of things planned. I do. We're making a pot of chili. We're making some twice baked potatoes. Yeah. I might even just grill some chicken breasts and throw those in the freezer. Yeah. That's so, a great thing to always Because sometimes you just need a chicken breast. You can make a burrito and you're done. Oh, you can do so much stuff with it. So much. Awesome. We're chicken people. So. I like chicken. It's so much. It's so easy. <laughs> it it's is. So it's easy. versatile. It goes on a lot of different things yeah. and goes with a lot of different things. Right. Everybody likes it. Absolutely. They don't know they like it, but they do. <laughs> See, I feel like you're even passionate about even you 
thinking about preparing for the next week. Like I love how you are so passionate about everything that you do when it comes to food. Yeah. It's a sickness. It's a sickness. I don't think you shouldn't call it that because I think it's, it's amazing that someone it's good for me to see Mm -hmm. that, you know, there are people that do have a passion just for making meals for their family, their friends, for the public. When we travel, we go to grocery stores. (laughs) I am not kidding you. You just want to see what they're like. I do. I want to see what they're eating. I want to see like how their stores are laid out. You know, I want to see how the people live. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I mean, it's, it's different everywhere. It you is. Go. We were in Boston this summer, and I think we went to a grocery store every single day. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to Boston. Is there one place I should? Is there a, is there a grocery store I should go mm-hmm. into in Boston? We were north of Boston, and they had Whole Foods, of course, mm-hmm. um, and they had Stop and Shop, mm-hmm. and they had one other place, and I can't remember what it was called. Market Pant, not Market, Market something. It'll come to me. I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. But, you know, I just went in just to see. Just to see. Oh, just to see. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's just, it's fascinating to me because just the different ethnicities and the different tastes and all of that. And how people shop differently. Absolutely. absolutely. Even like their convenience foods, I think, are different. Mm-hmm. The ones that are already yeah, prepared. Absolutely. Yeah. Compared to what we have yeah. here. Because there was one day when we went to Whole Foods just to get lunch. And their prepared case was totally different than, what's, than what like we have here. here. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're on the coast, so they've got more fish. Oh, sure. Their ethnicities are different than ours are. So they have different, you know, just the foods are just different. Flavors. Yeah, different flavors and different textures and spices and, and togetherness. Mm-hmm. So it's just... So everywhere you go. Everywhere I go. It's terrible. <laughs> Susan, food. They like are synonymous. I know. I it's love like, it. Oh, you have a farmer's market I can hit up. A grocery store I can hit up. <laughs> you know, even just sitting on, you know, their restaurants are different from ours. I, li- I like so, that. Yeah. If there is one thing that you could share with registered dietitians from a food science perspective, what oh would be one thing that you would like us to know? Don't be afraid. Um, and you exactly, you can finish that any way you want to. I like that. Just don't be afraid. You know, if you want to switch out an ingredient, go ahead. It might not always work. It might be better. It might be worse. But know what your end goal is. Okay. You know, so look at a recipe. Don't be afraid to change it, but go, I want to make this. And don't say healthier. You have to have <laughs> a better descriptor. Lower, lower in fat. Lower in sodium. So higher end in, goal. Yeah, better end goal. Higher okay. in fiber. But don't be afraid. Because you can probably get there. It might not, you might not take the road you think you're going to take, but you're going to get there. Okay. So just don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And... In that situation, they need to try it first, correct? Yes. (laughs) Try, try, try. Please Get your hands dirty. Don't just change things. Right. And take notes, meticulous notes. You know, I don't care how you do it. If you want to type, if you want to, because an iPad in a Ziploc bag works really, really well. Oh my God. (laughs) Do you have that in your kitchen? Yes. Yes. I do. I have a zip. It depends on the recipe. Sometimes it's a pencil and paper. Okay. Sometimes it's my, you know, my tablet. It just depends on what I'm working on. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to put that in my kitchen after you leave Mm -hmm. today. I need that. It's really (laughs) handy, you know, because those notes, because you're not going to remember. You think you're going to remember, but you're not going to remember. You just won't. So don't be afraid yeah. and to make notes. Yeah. Meticulous, good notes. Meticulous. I love that. Yeah. Okay. I will do that. And then I'll proof the recipe when you're done. Okay. No, I'll send it to you. <laughs> you're like, is this really what you meant? Yeah. Um, again, I'm using my mind reading skills, but Are can you, you help sure? me along on this a little yeah. bit? <laughs> I think you might want to line the pan there. <laughs> well, I have some I fun questions to ask you. Okay. Um, and just answer them however you feel you oh, are comfortable with. Okay. What is your favorite food? Um, today, my favorite food, it changes. (laughs) Um, my favorite food, I think right now it's always going back to garlic and I hate that. (laughs) Well, your, your hashtag on Twitter is garlic (laughs) girl. So it's very appropriate. I know, but I mean, that's the, that's the universal, but right now I love olives. Olives, mm-hmm. all types of olives. all types of olives. So into olives. Do you know how many different olives there are? Out a there? bazillion. A bazillion. Okay. A bazillion. <laughs> but they're so versatile. Mm-hmm. No, they're so versatile. But I mean, it always goes back to garlic. But right now, I love olives. Olives. What's your least favorite food? Raw tomatoes. Raw. <laughs> oh. Are my you sure God. you're from Iowa? Everybody's talking about I their garden tomatoes. Hate them. <laughs> hate. But a cooked tomato. 
I love. You love. Give me a marinara. You know, I will put ketchup on everything, pizza sauce, everything tomato based. I love, but a raw tomato. Oh, God! How can you eat that? (laughs) It's so slimy in the middle. Oh. What is your favorite drink? Hmm. Um, that's seasonal. If it's the summer, I want a good shandy. Okay. If it's the winter, I want a brandy Manhattan with three cherries. What kind of cherries? Maraschino. Okay. Like from a jar, like the bright red, like fake candy cherries. <laughs> what, three of them. Three. Okay. Three. And my family knows this. Like when I go visit my family, I hit the exit and I text my brother my drink order. So by the time I pull into the driveway, it's sitting on the counter ready I for me. And they know how to put three cherries in it. That's amazing. I'm not kidding you. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Um, What's your least favorite drink? I don't know if there is one. I pretty much try anything. Okay. But yeah, I, I don't have a least favorite. Oh, can I go wait? I know, no, going back to favorite. I love a good Bloody Mary too. Okay. See, tomato based. Tomato based. <laughs> That's not raw. That's not raw. <laughs> So that's my like honorable mention. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. But I don't have a least favorite. Not a least favorite drink. No. What's your favorite smell? Um, ginger snaps baking in the oven. Yum. Oh the, God, so good. Is there some personal connection yes. that you have? Yes. yes. What's your personal connection to that? My great grandmother's recipe is the recipe that we use in our family. Okay. And for the longest time it was like top secret. <laughs> And I didn't get to know the recipe until I was like, I think of age. So is there like a certain there coronation was. for There this? was. There was a coronation. <laughs> and I remember the first time I made them for my family for Christmas, my mom and my uncle, the, my uncle lives in Boston, and he was, they were visiting, and he, they both looked at me, and they're like, these taste just like grandma's. I have never met the woman. She passed away before I was born. Really? So that's a huge it was compliment. weird. Like, they just looked at me like... <gasps> we need to go get a glass of milk and sit at the table and eat our ginger snaps and dip them in milk and have a moment. And I'm like, this is eerie and weird. Oh, but that's really cool. It was very too. cool. So now her recipe and her words are hanging on my wall. Are they? So, cause I had to get like special dispensation from the family. Like <laughs> I'm going to put this on paper. It's going to be in public in my house. Is this okay? And they're all like, yes, it's fine. So that's a wonderful smell. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just, that smells like home. And if you ask anybody in our family, that's what they'll say. That's what they'll say. Mm-hmm. It smells like home. That's awesome. And those What's are your... damn good cookies. Are they guys? Like, are they delicious? <laughs> they really are. <laughs> What's your least favorite smell? Mm. Burned. Burned anything. Burned anything. Have you burned anything? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Because that's the great part about cooking is you screw up. True. You know, so, yeah, I mean... When you don't put a pizza on the rack, you put it right on the rack without anything underneath it, and it, the cheese burns onto the bottom of the oven, and you forget about it, and you preheat the oven at some stupidly hot temperature, and you're like, God damn it. <laughs> and then you're, you could, your fire alarms are going mm-hmm. off in your house. Like, and- oh, now I have to clean the oven. <laughs> Cheers. That was a reminder. Yep. Thank you. So burned. That's my burned. least favorite smell. I like that. <laughs> or um, when you throw... Here's another tip for you. If it's like a couple days till garbage day and you've got like the tray that the chicken or the meat comes on, mm. throw it in a bag and throw it in your freezer. Oh. Because if you throw it in your garbage, that begins to smell too. Oh, sure it does. So if you seal it in a, like a Ziploc or tie it in a grocery bag and throw it in the freezer. And then just take it out. On garbage day, then you don't have the icky garbage smell. Oh my gosh. That's a my great idea. My mom taught idea. me that. I need to like get a compartment in my freezer for that then because. I do. I have do one. Do you? Mm-hmm. That makes sense though. Yeah. It's it really tip. does. Especially in the summer in the Midwest. Sure, it gets so warm. hot. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, I like that too. Isn't that a good tip? Very good tip. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> What's your guilty pleasure? I don't have guilty pleasures because I don't believe that food is guilty. You have pleasures. I have pleasures. That's great. So if I want to have a Snickers bar, like I did on Thursday, (laughs) I had one. I know, it was delicious. And I felt no remorse and it was delicious. So why do you believe food is not guilty? Because I don't think food is bad for you unless you have like an adverse reaction to it. Like if you're celiac, mm-hmm. please God, don't eat don't wheat. Eat. <laughs> Just don't eat wheat. Just but, don't do it. Yeah. But if like you don't have an adverse reaction, adverse reaction to something, why should it be bad? 
You know, obviously you cannot eat an entire tub of ice cream. No. I mean, you can. <laughs> but you're not going to feel you're very You're not well. going to feel good. But <laughs> if you have that one bowl and it tastes delicious, go for it. You I know? love that. I go need to use that it. in my practice with my clients. You know, because you're just... I think if you deny yourself something, you're going to eat more of something you don't want. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have you know, more problems. You know, you're going to eat an extra 400 calories when you could have just eaten the 300 and been done with it. Of what you really wanted. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah, I don't believe in guilty pleasures. Not even activities or just it, mm-hmm. nothing. That's no, great. That's no. a good way of looking at yeah. life. I like that. Yeah, because it's just like, come on, you only get so much time. Sure. You might as well just, everything should be just, pleasurable just as do much it. as possible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes we get stuck in a rut where it's just like, if you just go to a, take off the afternoon, go to a movie, that'll just jumpstart you into a different like a different plane. Do you do that on occasion? I don't, you and don't. I should. You should. Is I it should. something that you wanted to do? Every so often, it's like I should just go to the mall. Well, maybe that should be a pleasure that you should. I should resolution. Of... It's my September resolution. There you go. There you go. You pick your cookbooks that you cook out of. So maybe now it's time to do some pleasures that maybe will help you too. I should. Because I mean, and back when I was in the test kitchen, every so often I would just get into that situation where I was like, I cannot think I need some time off. I would go to the bookstore mm-hmm. and I would just wander around and I would call it research. I love, well, yes, yeah. of course. So. And it was. And yeah. Cause I mean, I, let's face it. I was in the cookbook section. <laughs> I had Starbucks and I had a cookbook and I was happy. <laughs> That sounds very nice. Very pleasurable. Uh, it right was. There. <laughs> and you know what? I got back to the office and usually I could spit out a recipe and ready to go. So that's good research. So you were still good. subconsciously. It working. was. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you have a great afternoon. Are you well, so you're, you. you're gonna be doing a little cooking this afternoon? Not quite sure yet. But... I don't really have much in the house. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> so, because I do like to every so often cook everything. Like just pare down and start from scratch. Sure. So we're kind of in that situation right now where we need to kind of start over. There's not a lot I can pick from. But it's great because you're going to be with your family. Yeah, That's and all we can matters. start over and we can decide as a family what we want for dinner, which doesn't usually happen. That's exciting. So. Good good weekend time. I think so. Yeah. I think we might fire up the grill, throw some stuff on. Well, enjoy. Mm-hmm. No guilty pleasures. None. <laughs> Today's conversation was fun. I think as registered dietitians, sometimes we think we can change a recipe to make it healthier, but food scientists are really the experts when it comes to making recipes work. So I loved how Susan mentioned how chefs, registered dietitians, and food scientists really need to work together. So good food for thought. Please go on to annelizabethardy.com where my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What is available for purchase. And you can find all the show notes and links to things we talked about. And connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at AnnaElizabethArty. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.